0: Turn with me if you want to to Joshua chapter four. I think today is five among these series that we have felt like the Lord placed them in my heart. And not I don't do a lot of series, most of you know, because I just it it takes a lot of time, and I don't have researchers that help me. I am my researcher. And uh, uh, sometimes duty calls. We've traveled these verses before, especially on Memorial Day weekends, I think here two or three years ago. I had uh, my staff preach on this subject and and, uh, several, 15, 18, 20 years ago, I preached it here. This is a different take of it. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord today because... Sometimes, memorials, they are not about the past. They are for the future. Did you hear me? They're for the future. Coming to this place today where our turning north, and I've told you about the geographical turn of... Israel once they crossed into the Canaan land they would turn north And conquer and eventually have the fulfilled promise of God This time is they have prepared to do a lot of things. I'll cover them in just a moment run through the first four sermons today. It's prepared to speak. I Want to tell you something every one of our lives has a voice and we are speaking Would you just turn to someone and say, even when you're not talking, you're speaking? Think about that. Think about that. (laughs) Think about that. Our lives, Scripture says, our lives are living epistles. And I want my life to have the right voice. How about you? In Joshua 3, we stayed there a couple of weeks, Israel has experienced God and God's power as they crossed the Jordan. They first prepared to move. After 40 years, it's time to move. And then when they decided to move, God said, prepare to see. And they saw not only the land and its forcible things and its fortified cities, et cetera, et cetera, they also found out that God spiritually, supernaturally, in the spirit realm, they saw where God had already worked to work over in Canaan. And all the heart that would fight against them. And I want to stop and say today, we ought to pray for the Ukrainian people, These people are fighting with heart over there today, and I think they're totally, absolutely amazing, Mr. Putin. And I just think we ought to just agree in prayer. God give them supernatural ability to defend their freedom. Amen. It's not political. It's just talking about the fact that I think every people have a right to be free. Probably shouldn't have said that, but I said it anyway. I've been praying God give them supernatural favor. Wouldn't it be great if the people of Ukraine could just stop this war, stop it in its tracks? I think we ought to be praying for it. Amen. So they prepared to move. Now they've prepared to see I love the, two weeks ago today they become crossover people. They became crossover people. I love that phrase. And then last week they prepared to experience, and the experience was that God had begun not only to physically in their world, and after 40 years, he had not only done a work in the other people And in Canaan, he's doing a work in them and their experience, and we talked about Joshua and Israel have witnessed God fulfill his promise to bring them into this land. And what an experience that was. We talked about how we admired Joshua's courage and his, and his obedience and his humility because that's the heart God works in. But before they finished crossing, In the midst of all this miraculous thing, God makes an important point. In a sense, he stops the progress and I want to ask you if you're there and you're ahead of a household and you have your bride and your children and all your possessions whether it was wagons or beasts of burden I don't know but you're crossing in the midst of a miracle I realize that God can do in that miracle anything he wants but once you started to cross what would be your first goal? What would it be? For me, it's to get out of here and get over there. I want this done. How many of you are impatient like me? Come on, please. Misery loves company. <laughs> I, I'm just impatient sometimes. Okay, I'm here, and let, let's get, let's, let's move on. I would have been one speeding in the middle of the Jordan River. <laughs> he instructs them in the, right in the middle of it to leave something behind. It's a good question for us to ask, how important is it that we leave something behind us? Something that speaks to the faithfulness and the power of God. Something that speaks of our faith and our belief when we face our obstacles and recording our trust in God. I want my children, I want my grandchildren. The Lord carries, I want my great-grandchildren to know that I believed and I loved and I trusted and I obeyed God above all things. I want to leave something that speaks that. What purpose does leaving something behind serve us What is that service? What does it say? As we journey with God, we can, he can prove himself in and through us, and we will emerge, I believe and thank God for it, more convinced and more confident by the impact that believing God has made on us. I want to tell you, I've traveled through some pretty dark hours in my life, and I know what it is to have the black breath of Satan breathe on me, but I also know that in those very days is when the power of God, not in a turbulent way, but sovereignly and sometimes silently, comes in my innermost being, and I know I've just been enhanced, and I've just been spoken to by a mighty spirit that Satan cannot hear, and he cannot do anything about it. That's the Spirit of God that dwells in me. Aren't you glad that he indwells us? What an awesome gift that is. In crossing this river, it's important that we leave behind us confidence and, and that our kids and our grandkids know that we were impacted by God that, and if we want to leave that kind of a legacy behind us. In crossing the Jordan River, God told Joshua, Leave something behind. A memorial that could speak to the generations that follow. It would be a noticeable reminder of what God did when they entered the Promised Land. Doesn't have to be something fancy, doesn't have to be something expensive. He chose a pile of rocks. But they were heavy, something almost impossible to take out of the middle of the Jordan River and place it so they could see it and say, remember this. It was to be seen, and when it was viewed, it was to speak. Church, ladies and gentlemen, what we leave behind will can And it will speak for us. It will speak the things of those, to those who follow after us. And it will give testimony of God working in us, in our families, in our church, as we readied ourselves to move with God, and to see God working in us, and experience God changing us in our spirit being to become faith people, crossover people. I want you to look with me at verse 2 and 3. Here's the instruction. Take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, take yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. This memorial of 12 stones spoke not only of God's power, ladies and gentlemen, to divide the river. Hear me, it spoke a lot more than the fact that God did a miracle just to stand water up and walk across on dry ground. It also spoke of, and I've got some list of things. First of all, I want to pay attention to them. How many of you know that even though you and I have failed God many times, God still desires to work in us? I wish I had my uh, program up where I could draw on my iPad and see like I've done that before. I could draw it. I would draw you two little stick men. I've told you about them. I've known these two little stick men for 45 years in the ministry. Draw one stick man and over the top say, just see them in your mind. You got them. Here's the stick man and here's the stick man. Over the top of the first one, I write person. Over the top of the second one, I write Performance. And there's something important about that because sometimes God is not happy with our performance, but he still loves the person. He loves passionately the person. How many of you are glad when your performance doesn't match up, God still loves you? Parents need to learn that about the children. Children need to learn that about parents. I want to tell you, young people, when your performance don't add up, you can understand this. The reason that mom and dad's having a problem with their performance is because they love the person even above themselves. Teenagers, we get this. We go through this change in our bodies and change in our minds, and we get the idea that mom and dad, they don't know near as much, and they're out of step, and we think they're old fogey. Let me tell you something. They've traveled a thousand miles further than you have. They forgot more than you have, and because they don't like your performance, doesn't mean that they wouldn't give their life for you. Come on, guys. The scripture says that we're to obey our parents in the Lord. Every parent ought to be shouting. (laughs) Wow. So important that we understand this is applicable to life. I want to talk about people in this situation. Talk about us for a minute. So watch this. They not only saw the power of God part that water and dry that ground. First of all, their faith, we see their faith and what they did. And what did they really do? Yes, they crossed the river, the entire nation. That is true. And that was no small event. A million to a million and a half. Some say nearly two million. It took a while. That was not just you and I and three or four of us crossing over. Million plus people. It took a while. It was a major thing. They crossed the river. Yes, they crossed with all their belongings. There was no plan B. Thirdly, yes, they embraced what God wanted them to have, but far more than that, these people were able to do. Number one, they had believed God. It's time we get back in 2022 of actually believing God. Believing God. Do you believe God? Do you believe his word? Following the death of their leader, Moses, God picked up Joshua chapter 1 and 2 through 4, we read it, where he had left off 40 years previously. God had refused to cancel what he had promised to do, even though the promise had been on hold for such a long time. I think I mentioned last week or the week before, we are so impatient with God. Two of these guys waited at least 40 years. Some of them waited 39 and a half or more. They were alive, but they, here they are. They waited, we can't wait 40 minutes. God had refused to cancel what he promised to do. Secondly, they believed. Secondly, This is one of the points I mentioned a week or two before I'm going to give you a new term. And I did this because it struck me in a... Let me go back and ask you, how many of you believe God? Do you believe God, period? Do you? Do we believe God, period? Watch these folk. The reason I put emphasis on that, let me ask another question. How many of you believe God when you can't understand God? How many do you want to have faith in God even when your mind doesn't match? We're going to have to prove that. We're going to have to prove that. I put this term here because I wanted to stick with you and I'm trying to get you to think about it. So listen, they believed God. Secondly, they had disbelieved facts. Do you know sometime to follow the Lord, you have to disbelieve facts? When I say we believe and we believe God, period, sometime and most of the time, if we're not careful, we try to rationalize away from believing God. And we try to compromise God. Well, Lord, I know you said this, but look at this. Here are the facts. Can I tell you that the Scripture says, faith is the evidence of things... I think we sing a lot of songs and go through a lot of things, but these people actually had to disbelieve facts. I want to read it for you. I want to go over in chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows its bank during that whole time of harvest. I want you to know something. I hope to the Lord that I can be pastor enough, and husband enough, and dad enough, and granddad enough to put my feet in the water, even if it's a fact that is against what God said he would do. God calls us gentlemen to be heads of our households. Sir, he has called you to a place of great responsibility. Now, maybe you still love me. It is imperative that men be godly men in this late hour. And ladies, can I say there's nothing less about you than that man, but he has been given the responsibility. You ought to pray to God that he takes it and directs in a right way disbelieved facts with the runoff of the seasonal rains and melting snow from Lebanon that would have been challenging to cross at all seasons of the year. And now, what impossible, what looks impossible for a million, million and a half people. However, this is where God had brought them so i want us to get there this is where god has brought us and his promise lay on the other side of jordan and even though all the facts said it could not be done come on let me let me try to paint the picture a little bit If I have been declared the head of my household spiritually, and I take that responsibility, and I have my wife and my kids and my grandkids and my possessions, whatever, here we are at flood tide. It's hard enough, but at flood tide, and God said, the promise is over there. Step your feet in that water, but Lord, this is my children. This is my wife. God, this is everything I own. Listen, you can ask me to do some things, but the facts say, we'll all drowned. sometimes you have to disbelieve facts. I want to get that in our minds. Israel disbelieve facts. And ladies and gentlemen, let me say, In 2022, with all of our advances and knowledge that is abounding in the last day, just like the scripture said, and with all the technological advances and with all the scientific discoveries and things that we are involved in, I want to tell you something. The people of God must maintain a trust in God. Jehovah is above all of the knowledge, even the facts of planet Earth. We serve a super, above, natural God. I still believe, and this is, I call it, I've kind of called it Brooksology. I believe there's sometimes the, the disciples had to deal with disbelieving the facts. But I want to tell you, it was an experience when those disciples were in that boat, and the storms came. And he came walking on that water. Talk about facts. These were, most of, some of the, most of these guys were professional fishermen. They'd been on that sea many, many times. But they knew this was over. And here come Jesus walking on the water. And if you don't believe that, you need to get to where you just believe some facts. Because God can walk on water if he wants to. God can walk on water anytime time he gets good and ready. Do we believe in a risen Savior? Do we believe in an omnipotent God? That means we're going to have to disbelieve some facts sometime. You know what that means is? That means is we're going to have to step into the edge of the water. And we're going to have to say, God, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my family. I love my income. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love the Son, step into the water. Sir, be the priest of your household. Thirdly, they had witnessed supernatural truth. I won't read it, verse 19. But by preparing to move and see God at work, they experienced the truth that God's plan and God's power gives God's result, God's goal for their lives. I've got a hurry. Second thing I want to talk about them is this, their desire and why they did it. Their desire and why they did it. These 12 stones spoke of their desire, firstly, to have what God had promised, even though waiting 40 years of death and waiting. This generation that followed those who died in the wilderness embraced a promise, hear me, this new generation of Israelis, decided to follow a promise that they only heard about secondhand. God did not write this on stone and give it to them. God did not come and speak to them in some audible, physical way. He sure did that to Joshua here a few verses later. And even though they were surrounded by continual reminders of disobedience, 40 years, disobedience always costs. Disobedience will always have a price. Mom and dad, you can decide you're going to go away from God. You can decide you're not going to live it. You're not going to be involved. You can decide all that. I want to tell you something it's always the children that pay the price. It always is. Here they are, a generation who heard it only secondhand, and even though they were surrounded by this continual reminder of disobedience, they determined to be obedient and obtain what God wanted them to have. You're not going to get what God wants you to have easily. There's an enemy that will come against you their desire, and why? To have what God had promised them. Secondly, to fulfill what God had promised. And although true in regard to Israel as a whole, this is seen most clearly in the life, I think, of Caleb. Remember, he was part of the spies, and only two. Who was it, Caleb and Joshua? Joshua and Caleb. I want to show you something that I think I think it's holy ground. I will tell you this, the older you are in this room, the more this will probably mean to you. Why, Pastor? How many of you in this room have probably, unless something happens, maybe uh, less in front of you than you have behind you? Time, I'm talking about. I want you to watch this. I. I Here's a man who had been the spy. Here's a man who came back with a positive. They said, we look like grasshoppers in the sight of giants. And this is one of the men who said, yes, but those giants look like ants in the sight of our God. And here's Caleb. He's kind of silenced all this. Joshua's the leader, and Caleb's here. He had seen all this. Look, look at his life. He refused to forget the promise. He waited to see that promise accomplished. And when the day came that they gave the boundaries that God had assigned to each of them, Caleb makes a statement about what God gives. Him. Listen to this. I'm in chapter uh, 14. I'm at verse 8. Well look at verse 7. I was 40 years old. Listen to his testimony. He's older now. He's 85. Listen to him. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, and I wholly followed the Lord my God. Ten out of twelve— 10 out of 12 are negative. He said, I followed the Lord my God. Verse 9. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 10. And now behold, here's an old man giving a testimony. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke, this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness and now here I am this day 85 years old as yet I am as strong this day as I was on that day when Moses sent me just as my strength was then so now is my strength for war both for going out and for coming in now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke to me on that day (laughs) on let's give the Lord a clap off him my God you get that promise go through what he went through and wait all he did and hear all the negative and he said it's here I knew it we would get there give me that mountain you promised me 40 years ago I will tell you something God's made you a promise he never forgets it he never forgets it Well, thirdly, to complete and begin what God had promised. God's plan was to, hear me, possess, not simply enter into the land. Possession means ownership. But the process of possessing, ladies and gentlemen, had to begin with entering. I want to move quickly on to the third point for this morning. THEIR APPROACH AND THE WAY THEY DID IT. THE twelve stones SPOKE OF ISRAEL'S OBEDIENCE AND CONFIDENCE WE JUST COVERED. FIRST OF ALL, OBEDIENCE. TO FOLLOW JOSHUA AFTER MOSES' DEATH. THEY OBEYED TO FOLLOW JOSHUA AS HE SPOKE OF GOD'S DIRECTION. THEY OBEDIENCE TO FACE OBSTACLES THAT STOOD IN THEIR WAY. AND THEN THEIR CONFIDENCE. That the God who had directed them to this point, who had supplied their food every day, who had not permitted their clothes or their shoes to wear out, I just, I just marvel, I just marvel. God fed these people for 40 years by manna. And on the day they crossed, all of a sudden, they got to eat some fruit of the promised land. And we'll talk about it next week, I think, or for sure the next, a week or two. I want to tell you something. The minute they did, the minute they did, God stopped the manna. We'll cover that later. But watch this. Their clothes didn't wear out. I've always thought this one of the most humorous things I've ever heard in Scripture. And let me have a little bit of levity. Let me tell you, God has a sense of humor. Can you imagine a guy that was one or two or three years old and he's born with a pair of booties and they're 40 years old today? (laughs) I don't know how God stretched them. I don't know how all that was made. Mighty men of valor going to war. If you think God doesn't have a sense of humor, I love to say this. If you think God doesn't have a sense of humor, just look around. Just look around. God has a sense of humor. He loves people. He gave us a laugher. I don't think we ought to be sad Christians all the time. I think we ought to be the happiest people on earth. Here they were. God gave them confidence. That same God was also in this, and he would remove the obstacles. And the last point today is this. These 12 stones spoke that their God and how they did it. I want to read Joshua chapter 4, and I want you to look with me at verse 22. Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up, the cr- dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. Mom and dad, tell your children what the Lord's done for you. Brag on the master to your children. Granddad and grandmom, share your God with your grandbabies. Tell them, teach them. Show them what he really is. Because they're seeing an awful lot of other things right now. This is our God. Show them. Our God is an awesome God, and he's awesome in power. Generation 2022, we can leave things behind us that will speak of our faith, how we believed, how our desire to accomplish his will in our lives, our approach. When we got to the end of us, we had to approach in humility, And humility will lead us to to obedience. And the obedience will lead us to confidence. Our reward for faithfulness. I'm going to ask you a question. What will you leave behind that speaks for you? What will you leave behind that speaks for you? Church in this chapter of Joshua. I read through it. I've read it numerous times now. We'll finish some of it next week, but I rediscover the God who has offered us promises for the future, which sustain us in the present. And I also Remember that I have an understanding of our tendency to lose touch with matters of ultimate concern, priorities, and how we have a tendency to lose touch with those major things in our preoccupation and with relentless demands of the present. We are the busiest people I know. How many of you know there is a relentless demand on the present? Therefore, God creates memorials. He reminds us it helps keep us, our focus, on our roots and what really count. And ladies and gentlemen, he brought his disciples a table of remembrance I want our lives to speak